How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Some swagger. Yeah, this is it. This is what we do. Battling through it and finding a way. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All right, it has been two weeks since we last recorded. Um, we actually did have plans to record last week, but I'll be honest, I had some wisdom teeth taken out and I was still swollen like a balloon. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just not feasible. But we are back. I no longer sound like Elmer Fudd. How have you been, Diane? I've been great. Uh, no voice changes or surgeries for me. So I think I'm I'm coming out on top. Although I will say it would have been very amusing to do a... Uh, a, like drug adults um, <laughs> sort of version of like like drunk history or something like that uh, right, version yeah. of our podcast as uh, you recovered uh, probably we, wouldn't, um, it wouldn't have been fun for you but it would have been super funny for me it would have been very weird for, like me on hydrocodone trying to talk about <laughs> hockey <laughs> um, especially because I've I had never had prescription strength painkillers before and so I found out that I am very susceptible to those like <laughs> half awake hallucinations that they give you uh, so that would have been very bizarre <laughs> um, but luckily full consciousness got all control of my jaw it's nice <laughs> Uh, so we are back. And in that time, the Kings have brought us some good news. There were a couple, you know, not great things that happened, but they turned it around. The last few games, or last couple games especially, have been uh, pleasant. We got a big person back. The Kings are back in a playoff spot, which I feel like is what we should mention up top. Mm-hmm. They have 75 points, and they are third in the Pacific. Um, I'm happy with the Kings at this moment. Oh, yeah, me too. Mostly with the whole playoff position. Uh, that really pleases me because every once in a while I will think back to those those fond memories of you know November December right. <laughs> when we were like ooh the Kings are so good they could do no wrong what what could possibly happen and then the Kings happened and it was very disappointing but I'm glad oh see tentatively I'm very glad that they seem to be turning it around I'm glad that they are back in a position that we knew that they could be in. Um, It feels like with the addition of our main man, Jeff Carter, I don't know, things are are looking looking up. I guess let's just go ahead and start with Jeff Carter, because how can you not? So Jeff Carter officially, first it was like, oh, he's back to practicing. And remember weeks ago, Alex Faust had said that thing where they were eyeing the end of February to get him back in the lineup. It happened. It came to pass. He was activated from IR on February 24th, and he played that night versus Edmonton. Um, In the three games total that he has played since returning, he has two goals. So you can't really ask for a whole lot more from Jeff Carter. You really can't. I mean, one of the goals was just like kind of a silly one off of Cody Egan's face. Um, (laughs) So a little, but I mean, you know, he's out there making his own luck, I guess is what it is. Right. Baking his baking shots off of people's faces. And I like that he does that. Um and so it's just very, like very good to have him back and have uh a reliable, you know, second line center. How 
did you feel seeing that 70s line reunited? Kind of emotional. <laughs> I was, yeah. Because it was it was really strange because, like, obviously we've been talking about how he's been gone and you can really feel the impact of, like, the Kings having to shuffle everyone around and seeing where everyone um, would get placed. And it, it was like there were some growing pains when it came to that. But also when people were like, oh, he's been gone for 55 games. For whatever reason, that really put it into some stark reality for me. I was like, oh, my God, I've missed him so much. (laughs) uh, I was just happy to see the band all back together. I'm glad that that you felt emotional about it, too, because I did as well. And for a minute, I was like, why do I feel like this? But then also I kind of just, you know, let myself fall into it. Just watching them together, watching uh, Jeff Carter on the ice, period. I am so fond of the core guys on this team and those three and the chemistry that they have and also all the jokes we get to tell about them. So having all of that back just felt like, ah, yes, everything is right. I'm complete. I'm home. Yeah, and I think it's also because uh, both Toffoli and Pearson have been struggling just a little bit, Um, Mm -hmm. not to the level that they could be, essentially, uh, in these past you know, a couple of months or what have you. And see, I, I don't know. I feel like there was a bit of an extra jump in everyone's step. And I was like, oh, everyone's everyone's going to be get better. Everything's going to be okay, I guess. Um, and Jeff Carter was the linchpin for me feeling this way. Um, and maybe for the team as well. We'll, we'll see how that actually uh, plays out. But yeah, I just like felt a lot of optimism for it. And it's something that I totally didn't expect. Like, I understand that you know, it's a team sport. Like, everyone's kind of just like a cog in this machine, and some are more important than others, but, you know, whatever. Everyone's going to fill in for the other person, and it was going to be fine. But when Jeff Carter came back, I just, like, realized how important I found him to be for the team. Everybody seems a little energized. So um, so I had the opportunity to do a trade deadline special with, um, uh, the Royal Half and the King's digital team, like which is wild that that happened. But during that, um, Emily, who does a lot of social media for the team, was, was talking about how when Jeff came back, like that first game at Staples during warmups, Andre Kobitar just like could not stop smiling and then could not stop smiling specifically at him. Um, and so, you like, yeah, it's like you said, like you can tell that the guys have a little bit more jump. They're stoked to have him back as well. And which, you know, the, the energy apparently just filtered out because guys were having fun the last few games, even though in that game um, against even like that game against Vegas, they had to have a comeback. It wasn't like things were definitely going their way the whole time, but it just seemed, you know, like they were battling a little bit harder, a little bit more excited to to get things going. It's nice. When you talked about Kofi smiling um, at Jeff Carter, was I a lunatic that was smiling and pressing my own hands to my cheeks? Yes. <laughs> I 100% <laughs> was. Extremely fair. Lovely. So overwhelming. I'm sure everyone was feeling the same way. Like, oh, good. Jeff can smile his, like, toothless grin at everyone. And oh, how they've missed it. Um, But I've missed everyone. (laughs) I've Fun and friendship. I've missed everyone. And so it's very pleasing to me. 
Right. So um, the Kings didn't make any huge trade deadline moves, but like it kind of feels like getting Jeff Carter back was huge enough for me. Um, but that doesn't mean they haven't made any moves at all, obviously. So we talked about the Dion Phaneuf trade a little bit last podcast, and we were not stoked about it. Do you feel like we have to kind of eat our words now? Oh, I kind of do. I hate it. I was just like, oh, he's still... I mean, no. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. We have to eat our words a little bit because he's doing very well. Like, it started off with him just straight up scoring a goal in his first game. And already mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fine, fair enough. But then again, Gabbard... <laughs> Way to make me look bad. <laughs> I know, like right off the bat. You couldn't have like a slow start or something like that. You didn't need some time to, to mesh with the Kings. You're just going to immediately score a goal. Um, but on the flip side, Gabrick also scored a goal um, in his first oh, yeah. game as a senator. So I was like, all right, well, it's all balancing out. And I mean, Gabrick's doing fine. But Dion Phaneuf has really seemed to find a like nice niche for himself here on the Kings. Um, he has five points in eight games now, um, which is baffling. He scored three goals in his four, first four games with the, the Kings when he scored uh, three goals for the Senators in 53 games. So something is obviously going right for him and for the Kings. So, yes, I hate being wrong about this, but I guess I'm going to have to eat my words on this one. Yeah, same. Like, I don't know. I haven't, I'll be honest, like, I haven't really dug into um, the stats, like, the underlying stats very consistently this season. So I have no idea how likely we are to see production continue out of him. But maybe that doesn't matter. Like, the Kings have been really lucky about, like, trading for... Guys like Gabrick originally, or um, even Vanilla Cavalier, where like they'll come to the team, and even though you know they may not produce super high forever, uh, they come here, they get excited, and they go on a little bit of a hot streak. And honestly, if Dion Phaneuf heats up right now, perfect timing. I'm okay with being wrong about him, at least through the rest of the season. <laughs> Keep it up. Yeah, I guess with a lot of these, uh, we were probably thinking too much in the long term as just them being like another person to drag down uh, like the increasing... Uh, just like drag down the team a little bit, both in like speed or just like veteran oldness. Um, right. But if they want to hit a hot streak or be good for the Kings for right now, of course. Like who knows how long like any of this is going to last. So if they want to uh, contribute to the push towards the playoffs, then I am all for it. And uh, I regret my short-sightedness, I suppose. <laughs> Although to be fair, I don't think either of us have ever paid too much attention to Dion Phaneuf. Like, we've heard from people on, like, or, like, fans of the Leafs and the Senators being like, oh, he's, like, not bad. He's just overplayed and, like, older, which are all words that I hate. Um, But he seems to be working out pretty well for the Kings, uh, and so I guess I can't complain about that. I haven't watched him as regularly in the last couple of seasons or whatever. But, like, remember, like, I was a huge Phil Castle fan. I saw a lot of Dion Phaneuf watching the Leafs. That's true. So... But I think you make a good point, too, in that the he was overplayed. not Maybe not overplayed, but he was, like, the guy on the Leafs, right? Yeah. So he was, like, their defenseman. And the he is not for the Kings. Like, he's expected to contribute in a top four role. But 
he's not you know, like they already have Drew Doughty as kind of their guy and he's been their guy and he will continue to be <laughs> on yeah. defense. Um, so there's not as much pressure on somebody like Dion Phaneuf. So um, interesting. So now that he's been here for a little while, actually, there a couple different pieces have come out about him basically settling in. And one of them, I can't remember, if it, I think it was the L.A. Kings insider one, I think. But one of them talked about how he has a shoot first mentality. So he's he's taken, I think, already 22 shots or something like that in the eight games that he's played with the Kings. He's ready to contribute. And I think he also probably feels that he has that little bit, a um, little bit more freedom to take shots on goal and try to create some offense. A, because the Kings as a team are experimenting a little bit more this season, um, but also he's not being relied on to shut things down completely. They have a couple different guys who are already capable in doing that as well. Um, so that's pretty cool. Like he can try to be a little versatile, you know, explore different sides of his game as well. Yeah, there's something to be said. It's like the same thing with Dustin Brown. Um, as sad as we were to see him not be captain anymore, you can mm-hmm. tell that removing that took a lot of stress off of him. So he was just able to do more as a forward. And I think that's the same thing. Like without having to have so much hanging on your shoulders, you just feel a little bit more confident in yourself and able to take some more chances and just do more for your team. So for like Dustin Brown, he's been scoring a ton of goals um, since, you know, no longer being captain and on the flip side with Dion Phaneuf not being like having to be the guy and having the stress of, you know, holding it all together. He can kind of like do what he wants, like fiddle around and see what works. And it seems to be benefiting both him and the Kings um, a lot. And I'm pretty happy about that. It's yeah, it's, it's exciting to to see how he fits in and stuff. Um, speaking of former captains though like wasn't he he was also a captain as well so that's another of like the leadership type voices so (laughs) that isn't another angle of him settling in that was kind of amusing is um the LA Times piece in particular talked about how he he's a talker and the Kings have always kind of bragged in recent years about how they have a ton of leadership in the room and guys who are leaders but at the same time they have not always had guys who do a ton of talking, and even if they do, it's not guys who continue to speak up the same way um, where fans can see. Like, I remember, like, we were always kind of told that Matt Green was really good about speaking up in the room. Um, Everybody knows, like, Willie Mitchell was just a talker in general. But, they like, neither of those guys are in that locker room. Um, So now, here comes Dion Phaneuf, who talks a bunch. And... He, he said, quote, it's part of my personality. It's part of the way I play. I like to talk on the ice. I think it's an important part of the game. Communication helps out, whether it's breaking the puck out or being the eyes for someone else going to get the puck. You're always in position to talk. For me, it's something that I've taken pride in over my career. It's just being a guy that's vocal. I just think it helps out in a lot of different ways on the ice, um, which is cool. Like he's upfront about it, and the the Kings, all the Kings players have embraced it. Apparently, in particular, he gets sort of a seal of approval from Alec Martinez, who says that that was like actually really helpful mid season because they they got time together right away as defensive partners. And it was really helpful for him to, if they didn't have a ton of time to practice beforehand, at least Dion Phaneuf is just super vocal, so he knows where he's going to be and what he's thinking 
what he's planning. Um, Alex says, quote, that's one of the many things that he's really good at. I noticed right away. <laughs> he's a great guy. We have good banter going back and forth, but we also have good conversations as to how we want to play as a pair and the things that we want to do. So I think that's pretty cool that he is uh, a little different maybe from the Kings in that way, but still like slid in and found a way to make <laughs> it work out really well for him. Well, that's always like the cornerstone of every good relationship, like in general, right? Is like open right, communication, right. like be able to talk with your partner and uh, articulate your your wants and your needs and work <laughs> right. with each other. And Dion Phaneuf is just using that in the hockey sense, and Alec Martinez is listening and communicating as well. So it sounds like they're they're having a, a wonderful relationship, the beginning of a wonderful relationship. I do kind of wonder what the banter part of it is like, because I don't know that much about Dion Phaneuf's sense of humor. Um, although there is that infamous video of him, like, drunkenly singing Piano Man. So he's <laughs> clearly someone who's down to have a good time. But I don't, like, I don't really know what his rhythm is when it comes to humor. And Alec Martinez is kind of a sarcastic, like, low-key humor type of guy. <laughs> so have they fallen into that rapport yet? I really would love to know what the banter is yeah i would too like what are we we're gonna need some like behind the scenes video as to like what they rib each other about oh, right and, like, what does it look like compare your banter styles to like popular tv shows just so that i can get like an <laughs> yeah. idea of like what you guys are working with need a frame of reference yep. help us out <laughs> um i did like also in the the LA Kings insider piece about him settling in. It was, he, there was a bit about specifically what it was like when he was traded um, and how he had at the, at the time he had packed for one, like one change of clothes because he thought it was just going to be like a quick trip with Ottawa and then right back up um, to their, back up to their home city. So that obviously ended up not being the case. So he had to call his dog sitter and be like, hey, could you pack me some more clothes? <laughs> um, because I don't have any. And then Nate Thompson, who was in Ottawa still getting tended to um, with an injury, had to like then take his bags and also Dion Phaneuf's bags <laughs> on this plane to meet the team. And it was just kind of a scramble. It's like, oh, yeah, what do you do? Like, his car was parked, I think, at the airport still. Somebody had to go pick it up. One of his other old old teammates now. Uh, that was pretty funny to me, just kind of how in complete disarray your life becomes when you're traded, particularly when you're traded and the team you're going to is on a road trip also. Yeah, the logistics of that is crazy to me, especially if you – if you have, like, no idea when it's going to happen or, like, where exactly. or what's going on to, like, not have anything prepared, uh, that would drive me crazy because I am someone who likes to prepare for, like, every eventuality and have everything, like, all packed up and good to go. So if I then had to be like, oh, crap, like, we're going now? I didn't know about yeah. this. Like, what happened um, is kind of... That's kind of nuts. Like when uh, uh, Duchesne got traded and he just like left the game and was like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah. this is my life now. I'm no longer on this team. That five <laughs> minutes ago I was playing like a game for. Uh, here we go. It's it's kind of crazy how much of an upheaval there is, especially when it comes to like if you're a single guy, then yeah, that sucks. But like if you've got a family and like children that are in schools and all that stuff, it's I can only imagine how crazy it is. 
Yeah, and I think it was mentioned that he and Alicia Cuthbert like just had a child. Like their kid is like two months old or something. Freshly baked, freshly baked kid. <laughs> and now they have to like move around and figure out yeah. something new. That is wild. Yeah. So I appreciated them though, kind of laying it out because I'm always interested in exactly how that kind of stuff goes. And he was like, yeah, it was it was hectic, but at least for him, he was also focused on just playing the with the game and then once the team had an off day he kind of was able to sort out the rest of it but it was a little a little touch and go at first <laughs> um so they're not the only nate thompson and dion Phaneuf are not the only new players that the kings have they actually did make another trade and this one kind of had people up in arms in a different way is that someone that we have lavished a lot of love on in recent <laughs> weeks for being super adorable. Darcy Kemper, who has played so well, got traded to Arizona and has left us, obviously. In exchange, the Kings have Tobias Reeder, who plays on the wing, and also Scott Wedgwood, um, another goaltender. So a little bit of switch there. What are your feelings about seeing Darcy Kemper go? I'm very sad about it. Um, I also don't like the Kings, uh, although I guess the Martin Jones one was kind of like a double trade where he went to the Bruins first and then the Sharks, but I'm like not into the fact that uh, the Kings keep trading away their serviceable backup goalies in the same yeah. division. Like, why is that a thing that's happening? Uh, glad that I get to see Darcy Kemper's face, but not glad because we have to play him and he's actually pretty all right. No, he's so great. It, it, as a person, it seems. Oh, as a person, and he is fantastic. <laughs> has performed so well this season. I think the issue was that the Kings just didn't. It didn't seem like they could guarantee him term on the yeah. next contract. So it, it made sense for all parties to just sort of figure out what the best deals were that they could get for the Kings. That was two players for Darcy Kemper. That was a two-year contract with Arizona. Um, so no hard feelings either way, but sadness from Kings. Yeah, I like everybody was really pumped about it. that it is good for all of those parties, just not good for my heart, which right, exactly wasn't a part of the negotiations, which fine, whatever. Uh, but I'm glad that he is going to get the opportunity, like a stable opportunity and to know that he's, like, there. So I am yeah. very happy for him, um, but sad for me. Sad for us. Sad, sad for, for us. Folan, who he was living with, and yeah, no sad. more stories about their cooking together. Exactly. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Maybe they can just, like, Skype cook together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be nice. Wouldn't that be cute? Please. I know. <laughs> now I want just like a little like BuzzFeed style series of like cooking show with the two of them over Skype. It would be so cute though. <laughs> so yes, uh, we have, so Scott Wedgwood, the goaltender actually got sent down to the AHL and instead um, Jack Campbell, who has played for a while with the Ontario Reign, has finally gotten his call up, his chance to shine and it, and it happened for him. He got a start because the Kings played that back-to-back home-and-home against the Golden Knights. Jack Campbell got the start on the second day in Vegas. And, which was crazy to me, and I somehow didn't really think about it until the game was over, His he's been a professional hockey player for eight years. And he previously did play for a little while with Dallas. And yet, that win was his first career NHL win. How crazy. 
And what a win it was. It wasn't some sort of thing where, like, the other team was playing, like, terribly and it just, like, happened to be a win. He made some spectacular saves and his positioning was fantastic and he did really well and deserved it. Yeah. It's kind of a, an amazing little story for him because he did, like I said, he was with Dallas. He had some opportunities. People got really down on him because his numbers weren't good. So he comes to the Kings organization and, you know, as the, their goalie coaches do, they really, really worked with him to sort of improve his game and also get his confidence back. And he's been doing really well with the rain. And so it's just like exciting to see him um, get the second chance and then make something of it and then now get the opportunity in the NHL. And I hope things continue to go really well for him. It's dope. Yeah, me too. I am. I'm excited to see what comes for him. Uh, so far, mm-hmm. so good. So I don't feel too worried about him being a backup. Um, yeah. I don't feel worried about Darcy Kemper being gone because on his first foray into it, he did marvelously. So um, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about that one. Yeah. Um, Tobias Reader, by the way, I the I like that ad because it adds a little bit of speed to the wing and the Kings can always – Always, Always. <laughs> get faster. <laughs> so he has also already scored a goal. Um, for me, it was jarring the first game that he played because, well, not the first game that he played. It was actually the second game that he played when Jeff came back. And because Tobias Reader is wearing number 10. And there were like a couple oh, no. periods where like Jeff Carter and Tobias Reader sort of ended up on the ice at the same time. And it was just strange to see that 1077 <laughs> and it had been a while, but oh no, there it is. It's back, but it's not, not Mike Richards. It was just strange, especially because Jeff had been out too. So for them to both kind of be like kind of re-debuting <laughs> at the same time, it was, it was just bizarre, but cool, I guess. No, but sad. That makes me miss, <laughs> miss the good old days. <laughs> Yeah, had to do uh, a little bit of a double take. Also, it's been confusing because I think Nate Thompson is wearing 44, and obviously I still only think of Robin Ricky. Like, other people so. have worn 10, other people have worn 44, but those numbers in my head will just be Mike Richards and Robin Regeer, so <laughs> I really can't say anything yeah. more about that one. I, like, re-earth, I, like, actually found my uh, signed picture, and I was like, ooh, this is nice. going in a frame. <laughs> gonna frame the Robin Regeer, as Robin. you should. Um, so yeah, solid start from Tobias Reader, and I hope he continues to settle in. Um, I hope Jack Campbell continues to do well. Also, in general, I just have to say that those Vegas games, well, actually, actually, not the Dallas game because they got shut out and it was just kind of disappointing the whole time. But like the Edmonton game had that crazy non-goal Ugh, situation, which was heartbreaking, but also very exciting at the time but ended up being a letdown. And then, like, with Vegas, though, they have the um, intense comeback, and this time they don't get screwed, and they complete it and win. And then the second game, like, the energy in that Vegas building is so intense. Like, you can even tell through the television (laughs) that that atmosphere is extremely wild, and I really liked seeing the back and forth um, of the Kings team. It sort of really felt like, like we've talked sometimes about how they play up to or down to their opponents. Like you could tell that like they were really, especially in that second game, trying to meet Vegas's energy play for play. And that made it really dope for me watching. 
yeah, it, it was. They were just all very exciting games, and it it never felt that one that it was ever fully lost or completely out of reach or you know fully gone. Like it, they always just had to be on point, both teams all the time, and it kind of just reminded me of. Um, like in 2014, when the Kings and the Blackhawks were kind of just like at the top of their game and kept battling against each other. And so every game that yeah. they played was just the best in, in terms of that. It was just like super electrifying and everyone brought their A game and you never knew what was going to happen because it could go, it could go either way at any time. That's kind of what it felt like in terms of energy and just like unpredictability, uh, because, it was never just like, oh, they're going to get outplayed or, oh, they can, you know, play this in their sleep or anything like that. It was it was just like a lot of fun to watch. Um, I will say that I obviously very much take back any sort of rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights that I've done in the past with them being like an expansion team and like, oh, they're doing so well. I'm so happy they're having a great first season. That's like fully gone now. Like I'm I'm I think we're both ready for them to lose a lot. Um, oh yeah. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm I'm fine with them being uh, a very serious rival and just like ready to boo them. Same, like 100%. It made me really want this to turn into a rivalry. It made me want a playoff series. I and even in the playoff series like Vegas has been playing so well. It's not like the Kings would be guaranteed to beat them or anything, but we also saw the Kings put up a hell of a fight these last two games and I would relish the opportunity to see if the Kings could really press and keep pressing um, against that team that nobody expected to be this good, but who have been among the top couple of teams in the league for a while now. So I would love to see more of it. And plus, you know, we've seen their rivalries with like the Sharks and the Ducks for a while. It's also just like the novelty of having something fresh. Um, And again, that fan atmosphere too is, is nuts. So um yeah, more of it. I really, I really enjoyed it. Both of those games, even the first one that seemed like it was going to be agonizing, yeah. <laughs> um, ended up being exciting. Too exciting. It was just like such a typical thing where it was lackluster for most of it, and I was just like upset that they weren't capitalizing on power plays or on just like what felt like open net chances. Um, and then just brought it for the last like ten minutes of the yeah. game, and then over. <laughs> Uh, which sounds about right, uh, but was deeply frustrating at the time. Oh, the Kings. The only part of this potential rivalry that I'm not super excited about, which I I don't know, maybe that would change if if it was in a playoff environment, but Ryan Reeves was severely annoying. Oh, I hated him so much. Yeah, not a fan of that guy. And he he also wants this to happen in the playoffs. There was a quote about it where he was like, yeah, the Kings wouldn't get those calls. I'd love to see this team in the playoffs. I mean, Ryan Reeves has already played the Kings in the playoffs, and his team lost both times. (laughs) So he can stop acting like he doesn't know how this could go for him. But still, I like... um, I like that the players are getting fired up about it as well. Yeah, I like I like a good rivalry. Also, in sort of, not like a selfish way, but sort of a self-serving way, I like when other people think of the Kings as a threat. When sometimes yeah. if we're watching too closely and we get a little bit down about the fact that they're, they're not playing to their potential or they're not playing as well as we would like, um, they're still doing all right, you know, or they're, they're still a threat to some teams and... Uh, people don't like them and want to beat them, and that makes me happy to know that they're, you know, not feared, but, you know, people are a little bit worried. Exactly. I don't – I feel like it's 
I would rather root for a team that's hated on the ice um, than a team that's irrelevant, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I don't want anybody to play the Kings and be like, oh, yeah, this team, whatever. As long as they are still, like, in contention, I'm happy and also excited to watch the games and watch how teams respond to them. Yeah, me too. I, I would much rather be hated than just, like, forgotten about. Yeah. Please just stay relevant, LA Kings. Um, speak one last thing about Vegas, and I really don't, we don't have to talk about really anything else about the trade deadline because who cares? But the Vegas trade that they made just to keep Winnipeg from getting Derek Broussard <laughs> is so a dramatic, <laughs> but also just a testament, I think, to them also buying into the idea of being formidable and rivals. Like, they're out here plotting against other teams actively. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that aspect of it. I I will accept that. That's fine. I, I appreciate that they're just, like, super leaning into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, we're here. It's our first season. We have a legitimate shot to make a run for the cup. Why not? Uh, yeah, that's crazy to me. Um, 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 um. Oh, so before, though, these last string of games, you should just go back and touch on really quick, because I know we've mentioned it in the years past, the Kings finally were able to get a win in Buffalo after not being able to do it since 2003, which is nuts. 15 years to not win in a particular building. That is <laughs> crazy to me. And... Uh, to like think about on a different level as to how long ago that was of all of the players that played in that game where the Kings won only one of them is still an active NHL player and that player is Ryan Miller oh wow that's it everyone else gone retired done Um, because it was 15 years ago how does that happen I'm glad they broke the curse there was some bad weird like juju in that building for the kings i guess and i'm glad that Mm -hmm. it is now done yeah they had some very strange luck because it's not like the i mean the kings like that means championship teams (laughs) went into that building losing to the buffalo sabers yeah (laughs) (laughs) the sabers come on so finally though they got over that hump um and there was like a little bit of a, a nice vibe too because uh Alex Iafalo had a ton of family in yep. town to cheer him on. So that's really nice. So basically, they went in there. They won. They've claimed it. They've slayed that dragon. <laughs> Buffalo's chill now. Yeah. The, they no longer have to worry about it. Uh, I didn't know that there had needed to be a quest. Um, but apparently, right. they just yeah. needed like a home area native to come and play the game. Uh, Iafalo scored an assist during that game. And the Kings won. And now everything is right again. I love it. I love it. So yeah, some highs. I mean, like I said, there were like a couple, you know, a few games that were disappointing. That Dallas game was bad. They lost in a devastating way to Edmonton, but like plenty of highs too. And that's all I ask for. Just some variety, some winning. It's good. Yeah. I mean, at least it's exciting. I will say that. Another quick thing to mention that happened last week, because we love cheering for the USA, the women... Their, their hockey team finally, for the first time in 20 years, beat Canada in a gold medal game. Amazing. Rejoice. Amazing. Okay, so that game was absolute hell. 
on <laughs> yeah. uh, my heart, my stomach, my feelings, um, my neighbors, uh, all of it. Uh, because it was so nerve-wracking, and the Lamoureux sisters are amazing for scoring mm-hmm. the game-tying goal, and then, uh, was it Jocelyn who scored that just, like, gross, wonderful shootout goal Yeah, uh, to yeah. win it all? And it was it was so good. I was so happy for everyone. Um, for Amanda Kessel, and for Hillary Knight, and for McDuggan, and all of that. I was very happy for everyone. Oh, man. It, it was just really dope. And, like, Amanda Kessel, like, I'm so excited for her. There were a couple, like, a season, season and a half, maybe two seasons total, where she didn't play for because of concussion issues. And she thought it seemed like maybe she wouldn't ever play again. But she did eventually come back. And to win this gold medal, like, it was just great. I'm so excited for all of those women and kind of their narratives and yeah. And also I love watching Canada lose. So, I mean, it was amazing. That was great. Oh, the tear, the Canadian tears made me so happy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love it. But I also enjoyed, uh, seeing Phil Kessel with the title of Amanda Kessel's brother. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which was very nice. And he, to be fair, seemed very happy to have that title because he seemed, so stoked and so excited for her. Um, good brother. And yeah, it, that was just very nice. Cause I, he obviously knows how hard she's worked for and everything that she's gone through and that the United States team has gone through. And, uh, but I thought that was funny that he was just relegated to, you know, like he's won <laughs> yeah. two Stanley cups, but really he's just Amanda Kessel's brother. It's, you know, a great thing to be. So yeah, that's cool. I'd put that on my resume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I appreciate I like their their relationship as well. Like he has straight up called her in the past the best hockey player in their family. So yeah. he's super chill about it. Um, and it's dope that they both um, now have these accomplishments to their name. And it's like it's like I haven't watched the Penguins very much this season, but in general, I still really like Phil Kessel. And um, for me, it's exciting to see a sibling pair like that both be that talented and accomplish that much, it, you know, essentially at the same time. Um, it's, yeah, it's great. I'm just excited about all of it. Yeah, me too. Ugh, I'm so happy about that gold, gold medal win. Um, me as well. Men's U.S. team did not fare as well. They got kicked out in the semifinals. Um, yeah. And then the... Olympic athletes of Russia are the ones that ended up winning. <laughs> right. Yeah. We were all was hoping so badly for Germany and for specifically Leon Dreisaitl to be excited about that. <laughs> but it's okay. Fine. Yeah. That's kind of like a whatever thing. And as sort of expected, um, like men's uh, Olympic hockey was not as watched or cared about by a lot of people, both through just, yeah. like, what I've heard and, like, ratings because people from, or, like, players from the NHL weren't there. So, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that will open some more eyes or have people more uh, open to negotiations in terms of, like, insurance and all of the dumb things, like, all of the reasons that they had to keep the NHL players out of the Olympics. Maybe that'll change their mind. Yeah, they, the... I just, on the one hand, like, I, I mean, I didn't care about the older guys on the U.S. men's team, but, like, I was really excited for all the young guys who were on that team. 
Um, and I like World Junior, so like, like whatever. Like I would, I like that part of it. But at the same time, I just don't want to go forever without knowing what a team that would have, uh, like Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel and like Dylan Larkin and Johnny Goodrow, like all these fucking super talented dudes who are from the USA who could be on this team. I just I need to know what it looks like when they are all playing together and have a shot to medal because I think the men's USA team could be really good. Yeah, so I was gonna say like I want to see what it looks that. like when they beat Canada. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> please give us that. So yeah, they got to figure it out because I need to I need to see it happen. It has to happen. Oh, I do want to say one really one thing really quickly about the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that for all of the hype and all of the hoopla, literally nothing happened with Eric Carlson. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Everybody, we were all waiting, waiting to see. Um, oh, that's another thing about Vegas, too, is apparently after it was all said and done, um, the analysts uh, were talking about how Vegas got the closest and was like the most serious about trying to make an offer there, but it just didn't fully come together. Um, And that would have been nuts if Vegas had both prevented Winnipeg from getting a player (laughs) and also managed to nab Eric Carlson. What? That would be crazy, but they didn't quite do the the second half. Uh, Yeah. So I just thought that that was kind of nuts for all of the talk of it and all of the like worry and who's going to give up what and all of those things and literally nothing happened. So all of that built up for like, I guess uh, some people were disappointed that the Kings didn't do so much of the trade deadline, but I guess the Kings just aren't procrastinators. They did everything right. beforehand yeah. and that was all said and done and relaxed on trade deadline day. Um, meanwhile, everyone was still up in arms about whatever other trades needed to go on and, in some cases, just, like, nothing happened, which is yeah crazy to me. Because after all that, I would have expect- expected something. Mm-hmm. But no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess the Eric Carlson thing is basically now just kind of tabled until the summer. Although the senators, I believe, have said that they, if he is still technically with them through to July 1st, they will make him an offer. So who knows, but... I think most people still assume he will leave, but to be continued, the story is <laughs> going to continue for a couple more months. Um, so a little thing happened the other day, some spiciness that was just a little amusing to me. In So, okay, the Washington Capitals and the Columbus Blue Jackets played each other, and at the very end of the first period of this game, Matt Calvert was ejected for butt-ending Alex Ovechkin. And then at the start of the second period, or just before the start of the second period, um, the cameras caught Ovechkin and Tortorella basically mouthing off to each other. And, I mean, you know, everybody knows what it looks like when Torts yells. But So it was kind of interesting. And then after Alex Ovechkin played it off, basically, he said, oh, we were just, we just talk about how's everything, what's going on. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Um but I was then kind of surprised to see that Tortorella actually, it wasn't a total apology, but something along those lines, where he said, quote, that's my fault. I thought he dove, and I signaled to him. I thought he dove, and he took exception. Then he said, I have no business making any gesture or saying anything to a player. So that's not on him. That's just stupidity on my part. So I was both amused by the drama, but then surprised by the maturity 
after the fact. I mean, credit where credit's due. I'm surprised that John Tortorella has ever said the words, that was my fault. Um, yeah. Which is crazy to me because for the most part, I just find him exhausting. Um, yeah, so I same. love that him and Ovechkin were just like, you know, yapping at each other. I find that <laughs> hilarious. Um, and to hear afterwards, just Ovechkin be like, oh, no, whatever. We were just talking about the weather and, you know, making sure we were all pals and okay. But, I mean, good for Torts for being just like, hey, that was kind of my bad. Um, do I like him now? No. Do I feel a little bit nicer towards him? Yes. Right. I mean, I I don't like John Tortorella, but I do appreciate a little bit of humanity <laughs> from yes. him. Um, so that was cool. Especially because I always think, you know, people should be really nice to Alex Ovechkin. He seems cool. <laughs> he seems delightful and like a man who needs a cup. Right. Yeah, please. So there was that little thing. Do uh, you want to talk about this flurry thing? I do because it's like silly. So this is um, about fun and friendship, um, as we like to talk about in the NHL. True. And oh, so obviously Flurry has been doing amazingly well, um, annoyingly so, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, but that means that him and Crosby are no longer on a team together, and they've been on a team with each other for, like, 12 seasons, um, which is absurd. Um, but it's actually this really great article that talks about all of, like, the superstitions that everyone has on the Penguins, and, uh, like, the little traditions that they have, like, who goes in what order, um, on, like, I feel like they're... I know that all teams and all, all players have, or not all players, but a lot of players have these like weird traditions or superstitions or the way that things need to go. But I feel like the Penguins have it even more so to like a yeah slightly worrying degree. Um, I think as, it's because of Sidney Crosby. So. It's definitely because of Sidney Crosby, but that everyone has just like gone with it because obviously you're you kind of have to. But it's just kind of crazy how exacting everything is. But anyway, so I guess uh, Crosby and Flurry would sit on the plane next to each other for any time that they had to travel. But now that Flurry is no longer on the team, what's going to happen? And the answer is neither of them are going to sit next to anyone. Um, so oh, wow. the quote is, on the plane, one seat that has remained open is the one next to Crosby. It was occupied by Marc-Andre Fleury for the first 12 seasons of Crosby's career until the goaltender was claimed by the Vegas Golden Knights in the 2017 expansion draft. Um, 12 years together is a long time, so when Crosby boarded the plane for the team's first road trip of the season to Chicago... Um, it definitely felt odd. It's been different, Crosby admitted with a smile. Uh, and then later on, the article says, Right now, that seat next to Crosby is empty. And with his new team, Flurry texted Crosby that he's sitting in the same seat he had on the Penguins plane and leaving the seat next to him open, too. Quote, he's not, He said he's not sitting by anybody. It might just stick. Crosby grinned. That's, like, so weirdly codependent and yeah. uh, kind of delightful. <laughs> One, that they would even think that it was weird or that, like, they miss the person that they always... I mean, I guess, like, for 12 years, that's, like, kind of a, a big deal and getting into routine and things like that. But that they, they both kind of text each other being like, oh, I left your seat open. Or, like, I left mm -hmm. your seat open. And they continue to do that, um, even though they're no longer on the same team. I find just lovely yeah it's both it feels like um 
yeah, it's both it's codependent, but it also sort of feels like nice in that kind of movie way. Like I can just see the visual <laughs> of it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's that. like probably if I was there in real life, I'd be like, this is kind of weird. But <laughs> as a spectator, I'm like, yeah, I feel those emotions. Yeah. I feel the narrative threads I tying together. Gotta love that narrative. Like, no matter the distance and the fact that they're on different teams, <laughs> they're still in each other's hearts and next to each other on the plane. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's just beautiful. And you can see the sort of, like, planes going off into the sky in the distance, the swelling music and the credits. Uh, it, <laughs> right. It's, it's really great. Oh, man, a nice, maybe there's, like, a, a split, like, side-by-side side that kind of puts them together. Yeah, seats, even though they're not on the same plane. As they're just, uh, like, texting each other as they go their, like, separate ways on different uh, flights and just, like, smiling to each other. <laughs> like, yeah. the number of times that the article had to add the whole, like, Crosby said while grinning is or like the same with Flurry. I'm just like that's a lot. They just keep smiling right. about the fact that they miss each other. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. See, we've already planned out like the ending to whatever this movie is. Uh, you can tell that we spent a lot of time in close proximity to Hollywood. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whatever. We've got it. We're ready. <laughs> so we can write whatever that script is at some point. Um, but that's I, I like it, though. I like that they clearly, you know, that experience is something is that seems as simple as sitting next to each other on a plane. Like clearly um, means a lot to them. Just being their friendship, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's cool. Ultimately. Well, you know, like how everyone gets traded and as players go from team to team, like that's just part of your career. And I always like hearing about players who keep in touch regardless of where they are now. You know, mm-hmm. for even if it, they've only been on a team together for like a year and then 10 years later, you find out that they still, you know, send Christmas cards or like hang out. I find that so nice. And you kind of hear that in like trickles or just like random mentions or if someone thinks to ask about it or like if there's a game that's being played against the new team and they're like, oh, well, how is it seeing, you know, your your ex-teammate on the other side? And like they'll talk about it and about how they're still friends or they still talk or, you know their kids go on playdates or whatever it is. And I just find that so nice. So this article was just kind of like a very blatant example of that. Like usually it's all just like by word of mouth or just like a side comment in some other article. But this was just like very nice to see that everyone stays friends and uh, no matter how crazy it gets, like those friendships lasted. And I find that very nice. Me too. I love it. And actually Ugh, watch how amazingly I can tie this together. I just remembered while I was reading about um, or trying to find stuff out about Tobias Reader, I came across a thing where he was talking about how, um, because he's German, and so he and Tom Kunakel, who, I don't know, is he still on the Penguins? He was on the Penguins. I don't know if he still is. Maybe he is. That first... So they've obviously the Penguins have won the last two Cups. So not the most recent one, but the one before that. During that, he and uh, Reader would, Kunakal and Reader would talk, he said, before every game, I think, or after, basically throughout the playoffs, they were talking because they're close friends or whatever. So it felt like Tobias Reader kind of felt like he was with him every step of the way. Um, 
because they're so close. And then so when the Penguins won, it was actually really great. And so Tobias Reader was really excited to kind of help make his Cup Day special, both for the place that they're from and just because that's like his close buddy. And so I thought that that was amazing that like even though they weren't playing on the same team that they went through the effort to call each other you know around every game and speak and like have that connection um I thought it was just like a great example of what you were talking about like people going out of their way to maintain the friendships that they make playing hockey um and so that was really sweet to me and now Tobias Reader is on the Kings oh so I'm glad we at least acquired some sweetness I mean, Darcy mm-hmm. Kemper's column, but we acquired another sweet soul. But there's still a little there. <laughs> we still got something nice. I'll take it. <laughs> um, I don't. Do you have a no thanks thing this week? Or I don't really have one. I don't really have a no thanks. Actually, I don't think so. I'm, I mean, I guess it's just no thanks, Ryan Reeves, in general. Oh yeah, that's fair. And I no thanks to uh, goalie interference or whatever uh, it was. Yeah. I hated that. Um, yeah, no thanks to Toronto, I guess, is, right. is what it is. That works. That works. Um, anything else on your mind before we get out of here? No, I'm just feeling um, a little bit more optimistic about the Kings, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, with Jeff Carter back. So uh, just keep it going, I suppose, is, yeah. what I, is all I got. More wins, more fun. Oh, one last thing. Um, found out a little bit more about one of our favorite narratives. That's right. Okay. Yes. Derek Forbert. So I was able to ask the Kings Digital team about how that came about. If you guys did not see it, it's still on Facebook. You can go watch it. But if not, I'm just going to tell you the gist of it right here. So basically... I wanted to know how it came about, if it was something that they saw an opportunity for, if it developed developed organically. And um, it was the latter. It kind of just happened. Basically, they noticed that Derek Forbert kind of always, as a lot of guys do, generally take up the same area or the same place in line when they're waiting for the game to start, waiting for a period to start. And Derek Forbert apparently had a habit of, like, being aware that the social team or someone from the social team or the digital team was going to be down there sort of taking pictures and putting them on Instagram or Twitter or wherever and would kind of refuse to look up, basically. (laughs) Um, Probably because he just felt kind of awkward. I don't know. And so it kind of became a thing of like, how can we poke fun at Derek Forbert and him trying to avoid us. <laughs> and gradually, that's why then you saw like the turning point when he did actually look at the camera and it was like, oh, he's looking. And then, oh, we actually got a smile, folks. Um, and it turned and kind of just took a life on a life of its own. But it was cool to hear, to just to get some clarification, because I, for a while I was like, maybe these are from an official photographer. But no, they were taken directly by the digital team, so it was a little bit of a dynamic one-to-one between Derek Forbert and another person, and also that he is in on it and enjoys it, and I think that's delightful. I do, too, because now that he's in on it and, like, totally cool with what's going on, it's such a sweet smile that he flashes. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, like, very yeah. nice. Uh, it's just like one of those things that uh, warms my heart. So on game day, and as I'm going through the Instagram stories, I'm always like, oh, fingers crossed that it's here. I I would love for it to continue 
as long as they have fun doing it. Um, and it was nice to get to ask them about it because I'm always interested in just like how the fun stuff comes about. Sometimes, you know, like some stuff they've clearly sort of adapted or adopted from fans when we yeah. talk about things and have fun with stuff. And sometimes they come up with really great stuff on their own. And that was one that I just happened to notice um, recurring on their Instagram stories. And I think it's cool. And I think it's sweet that they I still too. do it. I, that's my yes, please. I guess. More, yeah. more Derek yes, Forber. Please. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. So that's what we're going to end it on, I guess. Um, as always, you know where to find us at ThanksBud on Twitter, or you can email us, chirp at ThanksBud. Otherwise, we will talk to you guys again next week. And hopefully, the Kings will have, continue to have wins. Jeff Carter will score some more goals. We'll get lots more hugs from that, 70 lo- set that 70s line. Only fun stuff. All right, guys, be good to each other. Take care of yourselves, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, friends. Bye, everyone.